you are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on with this Q&A, Jeffrey, because uh, the comment section is always fun. Ethan took umbrage with my uh, they'll always have April comment. about. Oh, he did. Sports. I made sure he <laughs> saw it, too. <laughs> John says TJ should be Norris Hopper. Hopper hit 300 almost exclusively with bunts and infield hits. But thing is, TJ he's has pop. I mean, he's better than Norris Hopper. TJ has shown us power. I, I listen. I was. I'm not trying to knock TJ Friedel. I. I'm just not convinced. I mean, is he? He's the. He's Mister Right now. I'll give you that 100. Mm -hmm. He. He has definitely played his way into being the everyday center fielder right now. I. I've got no problem with that at all. Um, I'm just not ready to to label him our everyday center fielder for the rest of the team control period until he shows me a little bit more. And he may very well do that. And, and then Jeff gets to gloat again that he was early on board the TJ Friedel hype train. But I I, I, I I need to see a little bit more. That's what I'm saying. I'm not. I, and I, I'm with you. I don't know that I'm in the camp of questioning whether or not he's an everyday outfielder next year, but I am in the camp of I, I'm curious because uh, like like Chris's comment on uh, today's episode had, had mentioned, you know, thinking about Scooter Jeanette and um, Tyler Naquin or, you know, guys like that, it's like that's an interesting comparison because those guys for a moment look like they were the heart of this team, look like they were the dude that you could rely on and then that just never really went anywhere past that one season. And, you know, like you always joke about, oh, well, they'll always have April. You know, some guys always have that one year of their career that you're like, whoa. And then they just kind of fade into obscurity a little bit. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to TJ Friedel, but he is going to be a guy that all offseason we're going to question, you know, can he do it again? Here's a name we didn't mention talking about guys that could come up from AAA. And Hollywood reminds us that Jose Barrero is sitting down in Louisville. Are you interested in a Jose Barrero reunion for the September playoff push? Why or why not, Jeffrey? I'm not, Just shaking I your mean, head. He, he went down to AAA and he actually... Like, like one of the things that I think was most frustrating about Jose Barrero for the last couple of years is that he wouldn't do it in the majors and then he go down to triple a and he'd set triple a on fire. He's not even doing that now. He's, he's not hitting very well in triple a, like he'll, he'll uncork a Homer every now and then, but consistency wise, he doesn't even have that consistency at the plate in triple a now. And that's been his biggest question in, in his short time. Make no mistake about it. I don't think that he has gotten what you would consider to be a fair shake in the major leagues. But I don't think that there's any room for him to figure that out here in Cincinnati. I think if he's going to do that, it's going to be for another team. Matthew checks in and says, India leading off again. Is India going to be the leadoff hitter when he comes back? Do you want yeah. India to be the leadoff hitter when he comes back? Because he was much more successful up there than he was pretty much anywhere else in the lineup. I think and I'm going to play. Yeah. I think I'm 100% in the camp that I want TJ Friedel to lead off. I think he has the ability to get on base in every stretch of the, I think he's better at getting on base than Jonathan India is. And I don't know that I would have said that preseason. So because I know that India is going to play as long as, as long as Jonathan India is a member of this team, India is going to play, whether it's second base or DH, yeah. that's just the way it's going to be. 
Uh, with him coming back, I bat him lead off. He's had his most success there, and maybe it's a little bit of an ego thing for him. I don't know why it is what it is, but it's there's enough of a sample size to know he just performs better up there. So for me, with him back in the lineup, I go India, I go Friedel, I go McLean. Uh, I move Ellie down like we talked about earlier this week, get him behind Votto maybe in the lineup, put people in positions to be the most successful. Uh, I think by doing it that way, you you help give Ellie time to fix whatever is going on with Ellie. And again, you know what? Ellie. Saw people bashing on Ellie yesterday, and he was like two for four, two for five. Was two hits, yeah. He had a two-hit game, game, and people were mad. Stop it. He should have <laughs> had three hits because one – Right. And, mad at and, Ellie. He's and he's 21 years old. And one of his outs was a line drive scorched off the bat right at the first base. Like Josh Bell didn't even have to move and he caught it. Um, it's just, you know, a little bit of bad luck there. But he is a guy that I mean, he's going to pop off and go crazy because he's got way too much talent. Like people want to focus in so hard on the strikeouts. The patience will come. I was not a patient 21-year-old, so why on earth am I expecting Ellie De La Cruz to be a patient 21-year-old? That's just, hey, he's going he's gonna to get better. It's going right. to be fine. Here's, here's why I like this live, live feed, Jeff, because Hollywood is in the comments. Like He wants to keep talking about Jose Barrero, and I think he's done some legwork here, so we're going to. Jose Barrero has a 123 WRC plus in AAA this year, hitting 278, 360, 570, and 175 plate appearances. That's not nothing. Must have been looking at somebody else then. Oh well. <laughs> I don't I mean, know. If those just, are the numbers. I don't. Ha- I can't jump on and check them real quick. But let's no, just that's, assume that's, those are the no, numbers. No, and and, is that- and I is, and I'm not saying. I I think what happened was I was looking at a different player's stats and my mind mixed up the numbers. So, okay, I'm wrong. He's setting AAA on fire. Still not interested. <laughs> well, okay, he's setting AAA on fire. You're not. You would rather have Matt Reynolds as your bottom of the bench, back of the bench guy than Jose Barrero. Let's just I think those two because you said Matt Reynolds a little while yep, ago I did. as as your major league experienced end of the bench. Like, oh shit, we got to pick somebody else. Well, you've played before. Come on, guy. You would rather have Reynolds than Barrero. Yes, because I think that Jose Barrero's got some sort of mental block in him when he comes up to Great American Ballpark because we saw the the hitting not get better and simultaneously the fielding also get worse while he was, you know, tr- getting everyday playing time. So I I don't know, maybe he could come up and have a Will Benson, but there's been a couple of times that Jose Barrero has been sent down and brought back up and we haven't seen that yet. So I don't know that I would expect anything different from him if they brought him up again. Debbie Brown. Love Debbie Brown in the chat. She's always super positive, and I know she's an everydayer because pretty much every live show we see her here. Uh, she says they're losing because they're tired, and these days off yeah. will help them. You know, that this is not, not a bad point. Um, they played a lot of games since the All-Star break, and I, I do think they need some days off. I, I really... I actually hope that coming out of this off day uh, to start this series with Pittsburgh, that a couple guys get a second day off. Uh, I would love to see Ellie out of the lineup to start things off in Pittsburgh. I would love mm-hmm. to see Matt McClain out of the lineup because there's a guy that's not going to miss very many games. I think he had missed three games since his call up. So this would be an opportunity to give a couple players like that back to back days off. I like that idea. Um, 
because as this playoff race continues to push forward and we get into September into the dog days, guys are going to get tired. So you're going to have to maximize this rest. Uh, I, I would not hurt my feelings at all to see something like that happen. What's cool about this stretch too, that they've gone through. And I think somebody said because of the doubleheader with the Cubs, they've played 27 games in 27 days. What's cool about September, they have five scheduled off days in the month of September. They've got a lot of home games in September. It's going to be, although it's going to be a high stress month because they're going to be in the middle of the pennant race. It's also going to be set up schedually to almost favor the reds slightly. And I'm not saying we're not going to do the 2021 thing where we're just like, well, the level of competition, you know, we're not going to do that. But the way that the calendar looks, I like the Reds chances if they can maintain, you know, a pretty close distance here through the month of August. John checks in and says he thinks that everyone is concerned with Ellie because he's not really improving or making adjustments. He does the same thing every single game. And, and he cites Will Benson as an example, says Will Benson adjusted and got better. Do you buy into that? Uh, because it's it's not a it's not an unreasonable point. Ellie's kind of swinging at the same things, doing the same things and and having the same results when he gets when he makes an out. He looks pretty bad doing it at times. Yeah, and I think that part of that is his just aggression is on a hundred all the time. And he's got the athletic ability. He's got the energy to give 100% every single pitch. And so when he misses, it looks rough, but when he hits it, my goodness, that thing flies off the bat. So I think that there's going to be a point and it probably won't come any time between now and the end of the season. I think that what we have with Ellie right now is a dude who could absolutely catch lightning in a bottle in one game and go insane. But I don't necessarily know that we will see that consistent dominance until next year. I think that throughout the off season is really where he's going to develop his patience. We'll see it next year because that for me is his next step. Like I think that, you know, over the last couple of years, we've looked at Hunter Green. We said, okay, he needs a third pitch. Or we looked at Nicoladolo and we said, you know, he needs a third pitch. Graham Ashcraft, he just needs to be able to work through the struggles in a given game. And I think that he's done that. There's always one thing for these guys to get a little bit better. Ellie's is going to be add patience at the plate. He did so in AAA for the whatever 150 at bats that he got at AAA. And we saw those numbers just go off i think over the course of the offseason he's going to add that to his game at the major league level is he is he going to have a strikeout rate that everybody's going to love no but i think he's going to have a better walk rate and that will increase his value because once he's on the base paths he's dangerous i want to give hollywood just an opportunity to wrap up his thoughts here because i really appreciate the whole barrero conversation today so hollywood says that you know he's not saying those numbers from barrero would translate to the major league uh, he's just saying he isn't doing terrible. That's a very oh, fair point. Right. But he also says, you know, that he likes the Reynolds point too, though. Experience would be nice to have. And, and I agree, you know, uh, nice to have guys at the end of your bench that aren't, you know, look rookies trying to figure it out, especially when you have a roster full of rookies trying to figure it out. Nice to have a guy that's been around and seen some things and able to just kind of slide in there and contribute. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, but thanks, Hollywood. I really appreciate what you've yeah. uh, contributed today. Been, been really good. And that's and that's kind of my thought too. I was like, you know, in the case of being at the end of the bench, you need a dude in a pinch or something like that. I'd rather go to Matt Reynolds in a pinch who, yes, he's a replacement level player and Jose Barrero definitely has more upside. It's just, I don't know. 
what Jose Barrero needs to do to unlock that upside mm -hmm. right now. And I feel like I don't think the Reds have the luxury of figuring that out. Right. Cause you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you'd have a Matt Reynolds who let's face it is, but just be happy to be here. Right. I'm, right. I'm just happy. I'm just happy to be here. I'm just glad. Right. And then you've got a Jose Barrero who would be trying to prove something who would be trying to show. And, and that's where you get guys pressing and you get them swinging at things that they shouldn't be swinging at and doing things they shouldn't be doing. So I see the value in that. So it, it's, it's fair point. Uh, that, that was fun to talk a little bit about our old friend, Jose Barrero. Austin checks in. Austin Hunt says, is David Bell over managing? This is the thing that Jeff, you and I have been talking about since David Bell got here. Uh, you know, I've always done the comparison of he reminds me of one of those guys that standing there going, I don't know what to do with my hands. I've got to do something. I'm going to make a pitching change, you know, like that. Um, I think he's gotten better about that. But does he overmanage sometimes? I think so. I think that's what separates him from Craig Council right now. We had this conversation uh, on the crossover with somebody that is escaping me right now, but we talked about ranking the managers within the division, and we all settled on this Craig Council. With Sam that's from right, Lockdown with Cubs. Sam from Chicago. Yeah. That's right, from yeah. Lockdown Cubs. So we all settled on Craig Council probably being the best manager in the National League Central right now because he doesn't do that. And David Bell being probably next in line within the division just because – he gets it right a lot of the times, but he still does that thing where, you know, why not let Williamson go out there one more inning or work through a jam? Why not let Graham Ashcraft do a thing? Why not? Why not? Why not? We ask that question a lot. And a lot of time it's when the moves don't work. And when they do work, we say, ah, eh, you know, David Bell knows the team better. So, you know, look at us. But I, I, I think David Bell still does have a tendency to overmanage just a little bit. And I don't necessarily know that the most recent loss can be attributed to overmanagement, but I do agree. There's sometimes where you're just like, okay, that was that was a little bit. I think the Will Benson pinch running when he probably should have pinch hit for Nick Senzel at the plate at that moment. I think that's a little bit of David Bell going like, okay, like you know the uh, the Charlie Day thing from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like he's trying to, he's like, oh, 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 who in in the world is this guy? Like, I don't think that's what happened in the relief pitching decisions because it is a very easy like every manager in Major League Baseball sees Luis Arias coming to the plate, who is a left-handed hitter. They've got their left-hand reliever ready in the bullpen, who up until that day had looked pretty good in a Reds uniform. And so you're just like, okay, he's going to get a rise to hit a ground ball or something like that. And we'll be good to go. But that didn't happen. It's just sometimes your dudes have to perform when you call on them. And that just didn't happen for David Bell on Tuesday or on Wednesday. Bassface checks in and says, well, Benson got sent down for a reason. And, he was playing bad and he got sent down to make an adjustment. He asks, is Ellie going to get sit down to figure it out? And, and he says, yeah, I didn't think so. And you shake your head while you're reading it. Um, yeah. No. And, and honestly, this feeds into the thing I was saying the other day, Jeff, our expectations of Ellie De La Cruz are part of the problem because mm -hmm. Will Benson got sent down and you, and when we talked, he was one for 40 something. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. It was so bad. It was, it was beyond, bad Ellie de la cruz right now in 225 big league at bats is hitting 262 with nine home runs 22 rbis 17 stolen bases and an ops of 756 um, that's a far cry from one for 40 yeah so so no they're not sending ellie de la cruz down uh ellie de la cruz doesn't deserve to be sent down 
Um, does he have things to work on? Yes. Uh, is there a lot of room for improvement? Yes. Does he have a tremendous upside ceiling? Oh, yeah. And he'll get there. But sending him back down to AAA, I think, would do the opposite. That's the opposite thing of what needs to be done. It'll stunt his growth. The competition down there is not good enough for him to work on fixing the things he needs to fix and to developing the things he needs to develop. All of that has to happen in Cincinnati. And that's why he needs to be moved down in the lineup because yeah. he needs to have maybe a, an at-bat or two less. Like I was in the camp, he needs to get the most at-bats on the team. Now, having seen him get the most at-bats on the team, I'm like, okay, maybe he needs to slow down a little bit because his approach at the plate is to speed everything up. And there's not a single Major League ball player that ever said they did any good by speeding things up. It's about slowing the game down to your level. And, you know, Ellie De La Cruz is much faster than most of us, so maybe that's why it looks like he's trying to speed things up. But at the end of the day, he's not going to learn how to do that at AAA. He's going to learn how to do that at the major leagues. And, yeah, the the difference here, and I see a lot of people wanting to compare him because of the strikeouts to Aristides Aquino. Aristides Aquino had to improve to become a usable everyday player. Ellie De La Cruz is that right now, and mm. when he improves, he will be a top five player in the major leagues. That's where, and and that's where our expectations have kind of done him unjustly. Mm -hmm. But he can get there. This isn't a situation of he is not an everyday player. He is absolutely an everyday player right now because of the things that he can do on a nightly basis. It's just with that, you're going to get some strikeouts, but. Yeah, I, I saw the comments, too, about people talking about, oh, he struck out too much, he couldn't even put the ball in play. Guys, he had two hits last night. He had two hits yesterday afternoon, not last night. So it's going to be You okay. were there. You were at that game, correct? I was there. Yeah. Mr. Big Wave, showing me my yeah. big wave from my spot. Thank you very much. I And I know you did that on purpose. Thanks for that. I was, I was thinking of you, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, Dave Brown checks in, and I don't know if you have the ability to get to what the, the pitch is where Ellie's missing, but you know, Dave is maintaining that Ellie has a problem with physical and mental fatigue and that he's missing fastballs right now. I don't have the numbers. I, it seems that he's not getting fastballs uh, just from the eye test. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Uh, breaking pitches follow, and he isn't disciplined enough to lay off. Um, I don't even know that they're starting him off with a lot of fastballs. Again, I don't have the I don't have the breakdown in front of me to to really refute this well. But uh, if he's missing fastballs, he's sure not missing them ugly like he's missing the breaking balls. And I think that's why we focus on the breaking balls. Is he chasing? He's for sure chasing on the breaking yeah. pitches. Uh, you know those 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 breaking pitches that are falling off the table, and he ends up swinging down around his ankles. I saw that earlier in the comment section. Yeah, that's happening, and. Um, that's that is part of what we're talking about, but he's still having enough success that it doesn't warrant him being sent down. It doesn't warrant a demotion. It doesn't warrant a reduction in playing time. Uh, no. The most that it warrants is that thing we've been talking about, which is move him down in the lineup, get him sandwiched between some guys that are going to hit that will allow Ellie to see better pitches. Will allow him to get more than just the cursory fastball. Uh, I, I'm not sure that he's missing a lot of fastballs. I just I don't think he's getting a lot of fastballs. No, and that's a huge adjustment that the league has made. And it's it's kind of like some people are saying it's absolutely true. He needs to adjust to the adjustments that the league has made. That is what baseball is. There is not a baseball player 
that uh, had a nice long career that didn't make adjustments. And Barry Larkin has said that on a couple of different broadcasts. But, yeah, the league has adjusted in that they just don't throw him fastballs anymore because, according to Savant, I mean, it's almost a similar percent. You're talking about 44% fastballs that he has seen this year, 37% breaking balls. And the pitches that always get him are the low ones, the low and away, the low and inside, wherever he is that he's batting on, you know, whatever side of the plate it is. It's the the sliders and the curveballs and the split finger change and all this different stuff that, that breaks down below the zone because he sees that spin coming out of the hand and initially thinks that it's going to end up in the zone. And so he's like, all right, I'm swinging at this. He just, he comes up with such an aggressive mentality that I think the idea of walking to him is not something he wants to do. He has to train his brain to accept a walk and know that he is just as valuable to the reds on the base paths as he is with a bat in his hand. I think right now he feels like he's got to hit home runs or triples or, or doubles every time up to be of use to the Reds. And quite honestly, if he's just hitting singles and getting on first and, and, and walking and things like that, that is going to be so much more valuable than what he is currently doing. Brandon Schneider checks in and says CES breakout month incoming. It kind of looks like that, doesn't it? We haven't talked about him very much here lately. And and in in a normal organization, I guess CES would have been all the talk. But, you know, in a Reds organization that has a rookie of uh, the rookie of the week versus whatever, you know, so many rookies to talk about so much going on. CES, I think, has been a little bit overlooked. He also didn't quite just come out guns blazing like Matt McClain did or like Ellie did. But yeah, I think this is a pretty good take, Brandon, because it look CES is definitely showing signs of making the adjustments that you have to make in order to have that breakout month. And uh, it, it's starting to come. That bomb that he hit off Johnny Cueto was just so well hit and so just a, a beautiful home run. I said this coming out of um, Chicago I really feel like because he had a really good series in Chicago, even though the Reds didn't, he had a very good series individually. And I really felt like the power was going to start to break out. It didn't quite as much as I thought it would on this homestand. But as we get towards September and the ends of August and all this other stuff, I definitely see it coming around. He is getting much more comfortable at the plate. And as, as much as his strikeout percentage kind of compared to what Ellie was doing in the minor leagues. I haven't seen him look as bad on some of his whiffs. He has whiffs, but like it's, it's not as if he's getting cheated by a lot of different pitches. And I think that he has a much wider profile of pitches that he can hit and can do damage with than Ellie does right now. Now I think that that could change obviously, mm -hmm. but Christian Encarnacion Strand just looks like a super well-rounded hitter. And if he is the Reds' fourth hitter for the rest of the year, I have no problem with that whatsoever. None. I mean, and, and think about this for a second. Let's Jonathan India comes back. And your first four go India, McLean. No, sorry. India, Friedel, McLean, CES. Wow. Yeah. That's I mean, that's... <laughs> You're, and and I think the other thing about that too, like you talk about some other playoff teams, like I mean the Dodgers and Braves are absolutely playoff teams. The Phillies are a playoff team now. Um, you might have somebody like the Diamondbacks. Um, 
Brewers, things like that. They don't have that kind of a top of the lineup deal. Like their top of the lineup is veteran dudes and the Reds are going to roll in there with first year, second year, third year players. And they're going to be like, what the heck is this team doing here? And then they're going to see him hit and they'll be like, oh yeah, that's, that's why they're here. <laughs> right. You mentioned old friend, Johnny Cueto. Great to see Johnny Cueto. Yeah. Um, in another the reality short hair throws me off. Man. Yeah, I know. Right. In another yeah. reality, he's a career red, but let's not go yeah. down that particular memory lane, but nice to see him. And I want to shout out another old friend of the Cincinnati reds, Mikey biceps, the no hitter for no hit. the Philadelphia Phillies. Man, that makes me so happy. That was so exciting yeah. to see. That was, you know, knowing some of the things he went through on his journey in life and 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 knowing how man, good for him. I, I was really excited to see that. He um the the goatee and the long hair now, like got a real Doctor Strange vibe going on seeing him on the mound. But yeah, that was a well pitched game and and so happy to see that for him. And I think it's funny because I think most Reds fans first thought was why didn't we trade for him? But I, I, at the end of the day, I was just super happy to see that he pitched that well for Philadelphia. All right. We are coming. We have crossed now the one hour mark. So let's get to uh, just a couple more things here. If you've got something that you've been considering commenting, drop it in there now because we are about to get out of here, but. Uh, Mr. Mo says CES has changed his approach a bit and looks to be seeing the ball way better. Following up on uh, what we just said about CES. Here's the thing, man. CES is just only going to get better. Ellie's only going to get better. I mean, Matt McLean is going to get better than what he is right now. It's very, very exciting. Uh, a guy we haven't talked about at all today is Joey Votto. And mm. This is probably Joey Votto's farewell tour, folks, and it, nobody has come out and said it, but I have it on pretty good authority that he's already been told that they're not picking up his option. That's already been discussed with him. So what that means for him is he's either playing for another contract with somebody else right now, or he'll very quietly, without fanfare, hang it up at the end of the season. Um, but he's playing at a level that makes me think he's probably playing for another contract someplace else. Uh, people that know Joey a little bit have said he wants to play next year. And if you look at what he's doing right now, Jeff, uh, coming off of the injury that saw him miss a significant, and I mean significant amount of time, uh, you know, we talked about he could be up for comeback player of the year, and I don't know that he got back soon enough to win yeah. that award, but in 41 games, since coming back from injury, 41 games, he's hit 13 home runs. In 91 games last season, he only hit 11. So in about half the time, he's hit more home runs. He's hit 13 home runs, giving him 355 on his career. Here's the number that, you know, I, I told you when we did in the offseason, some of our statistical educational episodes and things we like to use, that one of my favorite numbers to use is OPS plus because it just gives you a really quick glance at how a guy's performing against the rest of the league. Joey Votto, since returning from the injured list, since major reconstructive surgery on his shoulder and bicep, since missing almost a season's worth of games, 124 OPS plus, 24% yeah. better than league average. He's still walking. He's still got that eye. Like, I know he's striking out a little bit more, but that power, it came back so well. And I think that 
there's a there's a discussion to be had, and I wonder if they're having this discussion for the off season. Could you bring him back on like a like a ten Absolutely. million dollar deal or something like that? And I think that that's out there because I don't think he wants to play anywhere else, and I don't think he wants to retire. So I think he's. I don't think that means he's going to play for free, but I think that there is an, a reality where they bring him back in some fashion. Uh, he has just been so valuable to the Reds in the middle of their order. A huge RBI guy, which I think is hilarious because most people always wanted him to be that early on in his career and didn't understand the whole patience thing mm-hmm. and, and walking. Um, but I think that he has been as valuable to this lineup as any other hitter. And I know that there's some weird takes out there of people that are saying, ever since he's come back, this team's been bad, which is wrong. It's not his fault. He doesn't pitch. And they That's, haven't been bad. They've been in first right. place most of the time. I mean, right. they've had they've had the normal baseball season ebbs and flows that is much more about the youth of this team than it is about the veteran old guys of this team. And I know that there's some people that are going, batting average is terrible. Yeah, if you want to look at that one number, fine. Every other number says he's been good. <laughs> For sure. And <laughs> and you know, here's here I want to I want to I want to dig into this just a little bit more because you're right. They could bring him back. Uh, there would have to be some expectations set though. Uh, yes. Joey would I'll have to understand day. he would be coming back as a role player. Uh, yep. The second piece of that is the money would have to be right. Uh, they were gonna they're gonna buy out his final option. That's going to cost them $8 million. They're going to write Joey Votto an $8 million check at the end of this season, one way or the other. So if he'll come back on a friendly deal that takes into account that they just gave him $8 million and he agrees to be a role player, that's a really valuable guy to have around, not only for some pop off the bench and a spot starts at first base and DH opportunities against right-handed hitter, right-handed pitchers, but, just having him around to continue to mentor these young guys yeah. that, you know, you're talking about a player that would be in his 18th year of seeing major league pitching. The opportunity for all of these young players to access that database and, 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 and talk hitting with Joey Votto day in and day out. And if Joey Votto can still go out there and deliver the occasional bomb, if, if Joey can still bang one more year, there's a way to make it happen. I'm for it. But again, there's a lot of ifs there. If Joey still thinks he's an everyday player, if Joey's idea of the 2024 baseball season is to be a starter and play 130, 140 games, then the Reds have to cut tough. ties with him. And that will break my heart. It is going to hurt to see Joey Votto play in any other uniform. Uh, but there's, there's a lane. There's an opportunity for Joey Votto to still be a part of the Reds and play. Uh, but a lot of things have to align, and that's a problem for Nick Craw in the offseason because right now Joey's still doing it, and Joey's valuable for this team. And on that note, Jeff, I think that's where we should get out of here. But before we get out of here, don't forget that you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. Thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day is coming up on tomorrow's show. Ethan Smith from Lockdown Pirates is going to join us, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be just hunky-dory about my comment of Pirates fans always having April. So make sure you join in and check out his reaction to all of that as we talk Reds Pirates this coming weekend. But until then, what can people expect from you and me, Steve? 
They can expect us to continue to be locked in on what this Reds team is doing, how they are performing. We're going to keep an eye on Louisville for you. We're going to gather up all of the information about how everybody's playing and report back to keep you locked on Reds every single day. I wish we could record with Ethan in person. I would like give him a wedgie and a wet willy and a noogie. And like, he's just that little brother you like to torment. He'd like.